Here's our moderator for tonight's panel, News Director Don Luzader. In a given evening, around 800 people in the Springfield metro area of Green, Christian, and Webster counties are looking for a safe shelter to spend the night. And for many who find that shelter, the long journey to safety, security, and stability is just beginning. Good evening, I'm Don Luzader. Last July, our first town hall panel discussion on KWTO focused on the effect of homelessness on our community, the homeless camps, and the criminal element associated with them. What's being done to get people to want to seek help and getting them off the streets? And how can we do a better job getting them the resources they need to find assistance? Tonight, over the next hour, we'll take a closer look at the agencies who help our homeless long-term, working with men, women, and children to help them become self-sufficient and escape the vicious cycle. We're pleased to have you join us on our live broadcast tonight on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. We're also doing a Facebook Live of this event tonight. You can find us on the KWTO Facebook page. That's KWTO 93.3 FM 560 AM radio. Our panelists tonight, Nate Schluter, Chief Visionary Officer at Eden Village. Malia Spencer, CEO of The Kitchen. Michelle Garan, Vice President of Affordable Housing and Homeless Prevention with Community Partnership of the Ozarks, and Cindy Van Buskirk, the Program Manager for Housing and Veteran Services with Catholic Charities of Southern Missouri. So folks, I want to start with getting a blunt assessment from each of you, and each of your organizations is dedicated to ending or preventing homelessness. As Eden Village says, imagine a city where no one sleeps outside. So here's the question, compared to two years ago, compared to five years ago, are we closer now to achieving that goal or do we have a lot more work to do? Malia Spencer with The Kitchen, welcome. We're gonna start with you. Thank you. Well, I gotta say that I, we have not seen numbers decrease since 2020. And, but what I do know is that there would be more people experiencing homelessness. Those numbers would be even higher than what you just gave out um, as you entered this our, our round table tonight. Um, those, those numbers would be increased if it weren't for the people at this table and if it also weren't for the other agencies out in the community right. doing exactly what we're doing. Um, what we have done since 2020 is work even more collaboratively than we ever have before. And that's why I think we're not seeing higher numbers in, that are in other communities across this country that are experiencing homelessness. It's because of the collaboration that we've been doing since 2020. Good. I want to talk more about the collaboration as we go along tonight. Michelle Garand with Community Partnership of the Ozarks. Uh, your blunt assessment, please. My blunt assessment. Um, we So when you say two years and five years, that's mm -hmm. pre-COVID to me and kind of during COVID. COVID made and, a difference, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, it made a huge difference. Um, but when Malia said that we're a collaborative community, boy, are we. And we really thought outside the box on some innovative approaches to try to protect people um, from becoming homeless or a continued experience of homelessness. Um, so 
from five years ago, I would say we were on a, a an amazing track to end homelessness for uh, specific populations. Veterans is one of them. Uh, two of our agencies here do a fantastic job of providing services quickly to uh, our veterans who are experiencing homelessness. We were getting there. Um, the pool of uh, vouchers and um, and different accesses. Um, access to programs really expanded with COVID. So two years ago, we saw an infusion of different funding sources and different, um, you know, the city was investing in different ways and, and so was the county. Um, so as far as our homeless population, Malia is spot on that um, because of, of our collaborative nature and that infusion of funding, then we were able to keep uh, people stabilized, households stabilized without falling into a homeless um, situation, um, and then really work hard to maintain that. We have a long way to go, but I think that we were able to kind of keep ahead of it just a little bit. All right, very good. Cindy Van Buskirk with Catholic Charities of Southern Missouri. What's your take? Thank you, Don. I, I would like to say, I, I wish I could just say ditto to Michelle and, <laughs> and Malia, but um, the two-year and five-year um, difference that that COVID and as of more recent, um, we we have made some great strides mm -hmm. within our community. Um, and if it wasn't for Eden Village and others, you know, like this, it's yeah, we'd have more homeless. Oh gosh! But we um, during COVID, we saw so many people lose their homes due to loss of jobs, um, due to, you know, health issues with the COVID and losing jobs due to COVID. Um, so that was, that was really, really heart-wrenching during that time. But we have moved past that and we have made some definite positive changes. Um, with our agency, we do receive grants um, where we can help those who are homeless or those who are at risk for homelessness and that is, I think that risk of homelessness is one of the biggest pieces that, that we really feel in all the counties that we serve. Um, keep them from getting out on the street, you know, keep them where they're at or at least help them get into a new place pretty quickly um, when they're at risk. Nate Schluter with Eden Village. How closer are we to being a city where no one sleeps outside compared to where we were two years ago compared to where we were five years ago? Yeah, I think five years ago, um, there was definitely some serious momentum. Um, there's a lot of factors um, beyond the organizations here and other organizations that serve the homeless populations and out of our control, right? Um, uh, pandemic, um, um, uh, high poverty rate in our city, um, generational methamphetamine abuse that's unique to our area of the country. Um, and but I think that every time we put somebody in a house every time uh, the kitchen builds another development every time community partnership or Catholic Charities is able to use a voucher um, to get somebody off the streets um, every time we build another village um, the way to address homelessness is obviously with homes and the victories are every day in this community one person one home at a time this is a live town hall panel discussion, The Vicious Cycle of Homelessness in Springfield and Greene County, Part 2. 
You're hearing it on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO, as well as the KWTO Facebook page. We're doing a Facebook Live tonight, so you can watch us as well as listening to us. And you can reach our Facebook page at KWTO 93.3 FM 560 AM radio. Well, these panelists on our uh, town hall meeting on homelessness represent four organizations who indeed work with the homeless in our community on a daily basis. As we look at how to get people off the streets and into more permanent housing and to make them self-sufficient. So before we dig deeper into the problem and the concerns expressed by each of our panelists, I'd like to have them provide a little bit of background in case listeners maybe aren't familiar with some of the groups who are represented around the table tonight or their specific missions. Uh, let's try to do this uh, in about 60 seconds or less because I'm sure you all would love to talk all night about <laughs> all that you're involved in in our community but just in general uh, Malia we'll start with you uh, with the kitchen I know there are so many programs associated with the kitchen uh, but uh, kind of give us a little bit of background specifically as it relates to uh, to helping people uh, who are on the streets well for your listeners that's been around in Springfield for a long time when I say sister Lorraine they probably think of the kitchen and Absolutely. the Missouri Hotel right yes and so um, that's really where we all began and it was four 41 years ago this March that we began or that sister sister began the kitchen and what started out as feeding the hungry quickly became sheltering those that that needed homes in the Missouri Hotel and we did that for a long while and now fast forward 41 years later we're really focused on housing and we do that through five main programs we have our emergency non-congregate shelter we have housing programs for veterans we have housing programs for youth, families, and the chronically homeless. We have our Rare Breed Youth Services Outreach Center. And then we also develop affordable housing. We know if we're going to end homelessness that we have to have more affordable housing. And so we currently have five developments, and we're getting ready to start building our sixth uh, affordable housing development. That's what the kitchen's all about, just not providing shelter, but a pathway to stability and purpose in our community. Very good. And Michelle Garand, I know Community Partnership at the Ozarks is involved in a lot as well. Mm -hmm. Yes, so uh, very impressive. I am really proud to be part of this team here on your panel. Um, community Partnership, um, like many other organizations, has a lot of different programs in many different areas of focus. Uh, for today, what's relevant tonight is uh, that Community Partnership uh, facilitates the Ozarks Alliance to End Homelessness. and also um, the uh, coordinated entry system. So uh, we, um, we are contracted with the City of Springfield to provide that regional planning approach for Springfield, Green, Christian, and Webster County. Um, so we get to sit in a room with heroes and ask what is the uh, challenge, um, how do we define it, and how can we fix it? Um, and we've done a great job as a team uh, doing that. The coordinated entry system um, provision of our agency is one door um, and so one door uh, provides the assessment for services uh, for all federally funded uh, shelter and housing uh, programs in that tri-county area and we um, provide uh, those direct referrals when these agencies have openings and um, so we work very closely together on a daily basis very good Cindy Van Buskirk with Catholic Charities of Southern Missouri. What should our listeners and viewers know about your organization and how they help the homeless in our community? Okay. Well, locally, you know, we do serve 39 southern counties. 
um, but here locally we do have our life house which uh, provides homes for those uh, women who are pregnant and homeless um, and they uh, follow them from um, from the time they're pregnant until that baby is a year old and then they even have aftercare and we have had over 138 babies born very healthy oh, so that is that's that's one of our most <laughs> pride and joys biggest pride and joy we also have various uh, grants we have case management um, teams who help we focus mostly on homeless uh, families um, for our ho regular housing development um, programs um, and then we also serve uh, veterans homeless veterans and those at risk of becoming homeless too and we also have another program where we um, help those um, veterans who are jobless to maintain and and hopefully develop lots of new skills to stay employed so that was I mean that's been a newer uh, program for us so that's that's been it's so needed here mm -hmm. it's so needed and our um, we also um, we do some um, general case management too for clients who need longer term if the funds run out we can continue case management with them good a lot of things uh, a lot of things that you're able to do and you know I, I, I hear a lot about grants and money I want to talk more about money because you can't do a lot of this without money I mean uh, Nate uh, Schluter with Eden Village. Mm -hmm. Nate, I, I'm very impressed uh, with how popular Eden Village has become, and it's something that really Springfield is is the headquarters of. But it's not just in Springfield. It's uh, Eden Village is, is really something, and that concept is being used all over the place. Yeah, we uh, license uh, the trademarks and copyrights for Eden Village um, to 11 other cities outside of Springfield in 10 other states. And mm -hmm. the first other Eden Village opened up in Wilmington, North Carolina in June, and there'll be one in Kansas City, Kansas, Tulsa, and hopefully Mountain Home, Arkansas opening up this year. So um, there's lots of development happening, um, but really we're laser focused on our local community um, and our mission is to build relationships and communities for our homeless friends and our vision is for Springfield to be a city where no one sleeps outside and we primarily do that um, with two different programs Eden Village which is permanent supportive housing uh, for people that are chronically homeless in our area um, once they move in there that's their forever home effectively ending homelessness for them and then we have the revive 66 campground which is a nightly stay um, which is we're laser focused on helping people get a good night's sleep there um, people never wake up with a moment of clarity um, or be able to go get a job or do the things that we think they need to do until they're able to get a good night's sleep and Eden Village is not just housing. It, it's like a neighborhood community with a lot of people who are in similar situations. And I know that you all facilitate activities together. Yeah, they're pocket-style neighborhoods that we hope to We have two right now. We're building our third one on West High Street. We have property for a fourth village. Um, but um, there's a community center and people can gather and there's a variety of different services that happen uh, throughout the week uh, that they can take advantage of um, if they choose to and so um, but building community is really the focus and um, helping people transition from homelessness you know the interesting thing about homelessness is our homeless friends could never identify as a neighbor until we move them into a home 
Um, and so uh, this year, that's our focus at Eden Village is what does it look like uh, for our residents to become good neighbors. You're listening to live coverage. It's uh, 616. We have about 45 minutes left of our town hall panel discussion on KWTO, the vicious cycle of homelessness in Springfield and Greene County, part two. Our guests this evening are Nate Schluter, who you just heard from with Eden Village, Malia Spencer with The Kitchen, Michelle Garand with Community Partnership of the Ozarks, and Cindy Van Buskirk with Catholic Charities of Southern Missouri. So we've clearly identified the problem and especially that two-year versus five-year, which I think is very significant and, and what COVID did to really kind of slow down our momentum uh, in helping the homeless in our community. We have more homeless in our community now, more lives to get on the right path than we've had in recent years in the Springfield Green County area. And I'd like to hear f from each of you about solutions. Uh, in th if this happens, if we can also do this, and here's the money part, if we can get the money in a near-perfect scenario situation, what, in your opinion, as someone on the front lines, needs to happen to prevent and end homelessness? And I'll let whoever wants to take that one. <laughs> I'll, I'll go ahead. I have my notes, yes. Oh, yeah. Good. Thank you, Malia. <laughs> Thank you, Don, for I wanted to make you proud tonight. And, you know, I got Sister Lorraine looking after me. So That's right. I'm, we feel her presence. Yes. Right. Toes. yes. yes. I always want to make her proud. So um, I, I will sound like a broken record, but if the blunt assessment is we need more affordable housing. If we are going to end homelessness, we have to have affordable housing for people to reside in. And it's just that simple. It's, it's simple to say. It's not simple or quick to build. It's a cornerstone of ending homelessness that we have uh, access to safe, key is safe to affordable housing. We have a lot of cheap rentals that are out there, but uh, I think their utilities could be more than what the rent is because of the lack of quality and safety that's involved with them too. So it's important that you add that safe and affordable housing to it. Um, we have to have more mental health and substance abuse services that it's been extremely challenging, extremely challenging over the last five years. We have faced challenges at the kitchen that I don't think we've ever faced in our 41 years. And uh, that's been hard. So we have to increase, significantly increase our services for comprehensive mental health, um, addiction treatment programs, and our outreach efforts that are addressing the, all of those underlying issues that lead to homelessness. And then, um, you know, Cindy kind of mentioned this as well with some of the programs that they have that are, are absolutely wonderful for our folks, and it, that's prevention programs. If we can stop homelessness from, you know, happening in the first place, because it's a vicious, vicious cycle once they get into homelessness. So if we can expand our prevention programs to help those in rental assistance programs, maybe some eviction pre prevention programs, and support for those individuals and families that are on the brink of losing their home, then I think we can have a really big, big um, impact to ending homelessness. Just want to follow up to something you said, Malia. You mentioned mental health services. Mm -hmm. How uh, the, the the mental health state of our community? How yeah. have you seen that change in the last two or three years? Oh, I don't even know where to begin. Um, the folks that are are needing help are sometimes so opposed to it, right? And you can't force anyone right. to get help, and that's what's challenging because they can be on such a um, 
I'll, I'll just give an example. There's one um, family that had been with the kitchen and, and a veteran and had received our services and was doing well. They were on that path to mm -hmm. self-sustaining. Um, they had mental health issues and they got off and away from their mental health provider and those treatments. And um, I've never had to go to court before, but I had to go to court because we had to get a, um, an eviction, or um, not an eviction, a restraining order because they were threatening, threatening to kill myself and my staff. And that's how, that's how bad it's gotten. Yeah. And this is someone who, who is a, who's been a hero yes. for our country. Yes. Yeah. That, uh, that is sad. Um, I know we've all experienced that, right, Michelle? I mean, yes. we, we've all seen that. Yes, absolutely. So, uh, so I've been thinking, so I got these questions, and I've just been thinking about this because they're so broad, and where do you even begin? But mental health care and substance use treatment is something that we need to broaden. We need to look at how do we do this as a country to provide access. Um, but it's even further than access. We have individuals that have been, um, you know, they've been going to their provider. They do have a per prescription. They can't get it. They don't have the money. They don't have the access, whatever it is, or they can't keep it. Um, because life on the streets is not an easy life. And if there's anything of street value, typically it is gone. So maintaining, you know, health care for any chronic health condition is much more challenging on the street. So we have to do a better job with that. Um, and, you know, uh, Malia also mentioned affordable housing. Of course, that, as everyone has stated, is, uh, you know, just on Maslow's basic hierarchy of needs, right? We have food, shelter, clothing. Uh, we've got to have that piece of it. But some um, changes need to happen with our city ordinances and our city codes. Um, and the city is, is just now uh, taking a look at those. And so we, everyone here at the table and more have a voice in, in what that looks like. Because if we wanted to provide emergency shelter right now in our community, it would be uh, very challenging just because of that not because of the want but because the you know just the system is not set up for that um, so really thinking kind of outside the box on how we're serving individuals through uh, prevention diversion interventions that are are um, with new partnerships um, is something that we're really uh, trying to explore and figure out how we can keep people stabilized from entering um, and then once they um, have exited keep them stabilized through some of those wraparound services so affordable housing is something that we can identify as a solution but there are so many strings attached to that you can't just snap your fingers and have affordable housing is what I'm hearing from both of you oh absolutely and and as Malia said um, you know there are challenges beyond that just you know there may be a dwelling it may even be safe decent and affordable um, but then you have um, um, you know, property owners that are, you know, making choices to not rent to our folks are not accept vouchers. And so developing some incentives, you know, from our perspective would be beneficial. We know that accepting vouchers um, for a harder to serve population can be um, a big decision to make and uh, could have consequences. So we want to protect both parties. So looking at ways to be able to offer, again, those 
as incentives for property managers to accept the vouchers, protect their property and their investment, um, all the while providing that um, access to a, a unit that they can maintain. And uh, Cindy Van Buskirk with Catholic Charities of Southern Missouri, I know uh, that your organization, you've talked about this tonight already, is big at helping that entire family unit, mm -hmm. and, uh, and that's the key, and that presents its own set of challenges, I'm sure. But as far as solutions go, what, uh, you know, if, if, as you brainstorm, uh, what is something that we need to be able to, to have a good solution here? You know, listening to Michelle, I, I thought of several different paths we could go down because there's so many of them. Um, one of the, the things that uh, a solution that would really help some of our families right now is daycare. Mm -hmm. We are having such yeah. a difficult time. Our, our families can't even go get a job because they can't find daycare. Mm -hmm. So, and, you know, if you can't get a job, how do you maintain your home? How do you pay your rent? Right. How do you pay your utilities? So those things are, I mean, that very basic thing. And so many of our families, um, they don't have, you know, the, the other family members here to support them. Some of them move here, they're transient. Um, so there's, they have, you know, very little people, you know, very few to depend on. So we are trying to help them build those support systems as well. So that's another layer. Mm -hmm. It's like this big, huge onion that we can just keep peeling back. <laughs> So, yeah. and Nate Schluter with Eden Village, as you peel back that onion, uh, what's what's left? What, what do you see? Yeah, I think for our listeners and Facebook watchers tonight, um, an important thing to note is that when we talk about affordable housing, what this group really means is ultra affordable housing. If you make yeah. earn or get six hundred to a thousand dollars a month, traditional affordable housing simply isn't working. Thank um, you. And so there's no way, really, right now in an affordable housing situation, you've really got to have about two grand in your pocket for the first month deposit, first mm -hmm. month rent, utility deposit, because mm -hmm. we don't have credit, um, utility bills and things like that. And that doesn't work for our friends on the streets. Um, and I think that it's important to understand the root cause of homelessness. And for us at Eden Village, the root cause of homelessness is similar to what Cindy was talking about. It's the catastrophic loss of family, and a healthy family safety net. Um, mental illness and addiction and a struggle with employment and a history in the criminal justice system certainly play in uh, to homelessness, but we have people and some of us are related to people that have some of those struggles and they function well within mm -hmm. a neighborhood because as a family we form a safety net and we lift them up um, and make sure they don't fall on the streets. And our homeless friends often don't have the same kind of healthy family safety net that I grew up with. Um, and I think that in the big picture, um, we need to start addressing homelessness for with the urgency of what it is. Homelessness is a disaster and homelessness is a catastrophe. And if homelessness was a natural disaster or a natural catastrophe, we would have great organizations like Convoy of Hope coming into right. our area and feeding people and clothing people. And we have that here. Um, but what we don't have is organizations like what Brad Pitt did after Katrina and rebuilt an entire neighborhood. Um, we have to start figuring out how to house people 
um, in the quickest and most affordable way possible, whether it's going to be partnerships with great property development companies in our community or whether it's going to be charities um, like the Kitchen and like Eden Village taking ownership of that and saying, we'll build ultra-affordable housing. Um, but we have to figure out how to do that quicker because there's a need. At Eden Village, we have over 200 applicants on a waiting list. We simply can't build homes quick enough, but we need to figure out how to. That's Nate Schluter with Eden Village. We have Malia Spencer with The Kitchen, Michelle Garand with Community Partnership of the Ozarks, and Cindy Van Buskirk with Catholic Charities of Southern Missouri. It is 628. This is live coverage of a town hall panel discussion, The Vicious Cycle of Homelessness in Springfield and Greene County, Part 2. And thank you for joining us on KWTO tonight, as well as a Facebook Live that we're doing on the KWTO Facebook page until 7 o'clock. So we talked about solutions. Each solution each has its own unique set of challenges that go with it. Now, some of them we identified when we talked about the solutions. But what other challenges are there? Uh, you know, we said, okay, affordable housing. We talked about a few challenges there. What are some of the obstacles specifically that each of you are facing in your organization? Uh, I would guess money is one of them, but that's just one of them. Who would like to go first on that one? Yeah, I think that um, obviously um, money. Um, Every organization uh, needs money to fulfill their mission and to lift people off the streets. Um, volunteers, we always need people to be invested uh, with this population. Um, and then there's real problems with uh, a not in my backyard movement and with our zoning regulations that make it hard to take a piece of property and develop it quickly. Um, and so those are room for improvement for the general community and uh, the city to free up some zoning. Um, and um, at Eden Village, we uh, we hope people say yes in my backyard. And um, we would tell listeners tonight that we're coming to a backyard near you. Um, and we hope you'll say yes. <laughs> Very well said, Nate. Uh, other challenges as we, as we look to identify the solutions and work toward ending homelessness, what, what other specific challenges are popping up? Well, I think one thing is a stigma and discrimination um, surrounding homelessness that we haven't really talked about because, again, we need more affordable housing, <laughs> if you haven't heard that enough tonight. I think I heard that once or twice, affordable I just housing, that, I wrote that, that down. Yeah, I wrote, that was um, the number one on, on this one too, specific challenges, but the stigma and discrimination around homelessness and I, is is it fair to ask just for a little bit more compassion and empathy? I think that's where we're at in our community. Compassion and empathy, you know, Cindy, I know that uh, with everything that Catholic Charities does, not just in the Springfield community, but all across southern Missouri, uh, you are uh, a faith-based organization that is based on, based on compassion, right. what she's talking about. Mm -hmm. How frustrating is it for you when you see the community not have that it, it's very very frustrating and that's I was going to bring up the stigma as well um, and it's I will have to say though that we do have a few communities that are opening up and um, embracing it in a, in a different way than I've seen before um, and that, that's a topic of discussion for another time but um, I yeah the compassion I just 
I, I kind of it's one of compassion is a passion for me. <laughs> um, so and it, it is one thing that that we really do instill in you know in our everyday work with each other as employees, staff, and with our with the, the clients that we work with, and those that we we have so many folks come to our doors that we can't assist for one reason or another. They're not eligible, and that compassion needs to be extended to them as well um, and, and we do that every day um, and I just wish that more communities could could open up that compassion door and and let it flow because Nate Schluter it seems like of all of the things that are getting in our way of solving our solutions have using our solutions to solve the problem of homelessness and ending it in our community you would think that compassion would be the easiest one to solve because we're all capable of doing that but but that's not always the case right yeah I think everyone in this room tonight um, has had a moment um, where we crossed uh, an invisible line and we reached out and started talking to somebody that was homeless that looked different and smelled different and lived different than us and we started a conversation and we embraced them as an individual and so if people don't have money or they can't volunteer a compassionate thing um, that we can do is when we see people is to acknowledge them as human beings right um, we can't drive around our city anymore without seeing somebody um, that's clearly homeless um, but oftentimes we turn our head um, we look the other way um, and to acknowledge a person as a member of our community um, and a human being um, brings us one step closer um, to helping them have the dignity that they're going to need uh, to survive on the streets that night. And sometimes, Nate, it's probably just as simple as saying hi to someone. Absolutely. And wishing them a good day, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't have to be anything hard, right? Right. Yeah. But you never know. It might lead you towards uh, building a relationship and volunteering somewhere or um, getting in this game and making a difference. You'll never know um, from our perspective what God has for you um, until you embrace the poor in the community. Let's specifically talk about resources now. Uh, we've identified uh, solutions. We've identified challenges that we're facing. What resources do we need? I know zoning regulations was something brought up. That That's an example of a resource that we need. Uh, financial, manpower, time, anything that would help with the mission. Uh, what are you all thinking in terms of that? What, uh, what other resources do we need to be able to take that next step here in the Springfield-Green County area? I think that Springfield has um, some very talented um, for-profit um, business owners um, and a lot of this responsibility falls on the nonprofits. Um, but ending homelessness is great for everybody and um, the more talented people in our community that we can all surround ourselves with. Um, architects, developers, builders. Um, we need people coming to the table um, with ideas um, and um, we're all open to ideas and um, the more people at the table and the more that the community joins and works towards this, the quicker it's going to happen. Cindy Van Buskirk, one of the resources that I listed there was time and giving of time. 
I know that we can never have enough of that, can we? No, we cannot. No. How uh, how does that work as far as um, it, with each of your organizations? If someone is listening to this tonight and they're saying, you know, I want to be that person to have compassion. I want to be the person to reach out. I want to be able to give of my time and to help this. How can how can they get involved? We have a volunteer coordinator. <laughs> well, good. <laughs> well, you're and, fancy. You know, even if somebody can volunteer for four hours a week, two hours a week, mm -hmm. it would just mean so much. Give me um, an example, Cindy, of what that volunteer would do. Oh, gosh. Um, uh, probably several different areas, yeah. but kind of maybe I mean, take even, us through a few general Even ones. doing gardening and lawn work. I mean, we have a vegetable garden that helps to feed our, our women at the, at the Life House. So we have a lot of volunteers that come and help do gardening. Um, we have a lot of volunteers that um, do drive them to doctor's offices and stuff because most of our women do not have vehicles. Um, they come and rock the babies. Mm -hmm. um, um, gosh, all kinds of, they can do filing for us if they love to do office work, um, all kinds of, uh, you name it. There's a job to suit your There's, talent if you're listening exactly right now right. and want to help that's out. That's exactly right. right. Uh, uh, ladies, uh, Michelle and Malia, what, what other resources do you need help with? Well, one of the solutions that I failed to mention, so don't tell my boss, um, is uh, something called the O'Reilly Center for Hope. Uh, so the O'Reilly Center uh, brings together 20 different agencies that are all working on housing stability and financial stability. Um, so Catholic Charities, for example, is a partner agency that comes on board. Uh, these two individuals are referral agencies um, that we uh, connect with to get people housed. Um, so that is a huge solution because we're looking at that employment piece, mental health piece, legal um, uh, all of those uh, community sectors or the community wheels coming together to really put our arms around an individual to find out what the challenge is leading to that and then how to stabilize um, as they exit into uh, one of the housing programs. So opportunities to assist uh, with that happen right there at the O'Reilly Center. Um, so we, uh, we have critical care services, so showers and laundry, uh, we provide mail service, um, so if uh, someone doesn't have their own mailing address, they can have their mail sent uh, to the O'Reilly Center. Um, so with all of those services come volunteer opportunities. Uh, so um, I tell my team all the time that um, resources are scarce. Um, we've heard that. We don't have a lot of, uh, uh, we don't have enough of anything. But we always have kindness. And, you know, that's a gift we can give to every single person is to be seen and to be heard. And we take that very seriously at the O'Reilly Center. So when you want to meet someone in a safe space um, to get to know to build relationships to really find out how uh, how you can help then it's a great place to volunteer and you can we don't have a fancy coordinator but we do have a website um, <laughs> where people can uh, I'm the coordinator for that uh, so uh, that can learn more about the yeah. things that we have to offer and you know we we look at that in time talent and treasure um, so uh, so again it's the same thing for all of us if there's someone who's uh, willing to give anything of themselves um, I bet you a million dollars that we can find a place. Mm -hmm. 
And, and Malia, just uh, just to add on to that, uh, resources, what, what can people uh, do? What, what do you need more of? Uh, what's out there in the community that you'd like to get your hands on? So ditto to what everyone has said. <laughs> and I think one thing that we, did, we haven't touched a base on very much is more emergency sheltering beds. Mm -hmm. Because obviously we can't build enough affordable housing quick enough for everyone and so where do they stay until then and as Nate was saying earlier that the safe uh, place to let them lay their heads at Revive 66 uh, it's, it's important and mm -hmm. and we have a shelter too um, I just can't have more than 50 beds in it because that's our zoning requirement right and um, so we need we need some more temporary solutions or that transitional housing in our community to be able to have a safe place for them to lay their heads so then they can hopefully get into permanent housing a little bit quicker i think so, michelle said she could help you with that zoning requirement i think right? she i'm going to do that i'm going to do that uh, this is being recorded right <laughs> <laughs> um so one of the the things that we do as a community is something called crisis cold weather sheltering yes. so it's only an eight to eight is what i call it like eight at night to eight in the morning kind of thing and revive 66 is a huge investor in um, protecting folks overnight um, but as Malia mentioned, that's only one small step in one um, one half of the year. So it's only when it's cold, um, and it has to be really cold, 32 degrees. Um, but it's a great model of a community investment in protecting folks overnight that just need rest. Another great way to volunteer to really get to know uh, individuals is uh, through that crisis cold weather sheltering yes. using that model and expanding it to every single day not having to leave um, getting a job when you are living on the streets is very challenging um, when you go into your job and you have three suitcases behind you um, so there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of gaps in services that we have yet to fill as a community and I thank you for bringing that up big that's a big one very good. It's uh, 641, about 19 minutes left in our program tonight. Live coverage on KWTO of our second town hall panel discussion on homelessness in Springfield and Greene County and how we not only get people off the streets and into a shelter, into some of the programs that are represented tonight, but also how do we make sure that the folks get the tools they need to become or get back to being self-sufficient. And I wanted to spend a brief amount of time talking about that. I mean, housing is great. It helps uh, sh shelter initially is great, leading to housing, permanent housing. But it, let's talk about the person. Um, what, what, how are each of your organizations equipped to help deal with that individual who may need uh, you know, a certain amount of counseling, may need just a good pep talk, uh, depending on what their status is. I'm sure that they have various needs. And Michelle, I want to start with you on that. Well, I think it goes back to the O'Reilly Center for Hope. So um, when they come in to see us and they're experiencing a housing crisis, whatever that is, I'm about to become homeless or I am, then of course we're going to address that first. Can I get you uh, to one of these agencies for an overnight stay, whatever that is? But we all know that homelessness does not happen in a vacuum. You don't wake up and you've lost your family and you've lost all of these things. Um, and so. Uh, 
for the O'Reilly Center, one of the things that we did was we took a good look at some of the situations leading to experiences of homelessness or a housing crisis, and those are the agencies that are providing those services there. Um, so when you come in and you do an assessment uh, for shelter, you're also doing an assessment for what else can we do for you. Um, so if that is food stamps, Medicaid, getting you on, you know, getting you into a doctor, um, addressing some legal issues, employment, you know, that's a big one, and making sure that you're getting connected with some of the new programs that are coming out. Um, that's, uh, that's what we try to do. So a lot of times um, those slow baby steps are so critical. We've worked with people for 10 years that haven't um, engaged, uh, that they've engaged in little bits as they go, and we've got some great success stories um, just based on that. Um, but we have to work as a village. We have to do it together um, to help one individual and one household meet the needs that they have and the experiences that they're facing. We touched on it a lot at our last panel. Uh, we had uh, Freeway Ministries represented, yeah. mm -hmm. and what a great program that mm -hmm. is because uh, when someone has been incarcerated and they're trying to get back into yeah. society, yes. they face so many mm -hmm. obstacles that probably our average listener wouldn't even have any idea of. Absolutely. Yeah. It could be as, a, as simple as an ID um, that can is sort of the key to services. And so that's just one thing that we provide at the O'Reilly Center just to get in the door uh, to any of those um, different providers. Malia, uh, ongoing with people to try to get them to where they can be self-sufficient one day and not be back on the street. I know it's not an overnight thing, mm -hmm. but, uh, but what do you and your staff do to work with people? Yeah, so our heroes at the kitchen are really our case managers, mm -hmm. and they are walking alongside each, every participant at any of our housing programs has a case manager um, that is walking alongside them during the, uh, their program with us, and then up to three months after they've graduated from a program, just to make sure that that transition to self-sufficiency is going to be super successful. Mm -hmm. And so um, everything that's mentioned above, and I think Nate mentioned it earlier, is that, you know, some... Uh, they didn't receive those same upbringings that we did. And mm -hmm. so those case managers really serve as those um, teachers of life skills and mm -hmm. that maybe they didn't have when they were growing up. And so that's really what makes a difference to the success of our program is those case managers walking alongside and everyone has one, whether they're in our emergency shelter or housing program or even over at Rare Breed. And then we provide that also at our affordable housing developments as well. Mm -hmm. They may not be in a housing or a typical program, but they are there and we have a case manager on site to help them with any questions or stuck situations they might find themselves in. Cindy uh, Van Buskirk, uh, talk about Catholic Charities of Southern Missouri, uh, uh, case managers, the real heroes there, who are your real heroes and what are they doing to help people? Yeah, our case managers too, there are heroes as well and we do have two other programs I failed to mention. We have the reentry where we work with um, those who have been incarcerated and that's just with the Missouri Department of Corrections for here and we also have a uh, medical respite grant where women who are coming out women and men who are coming out of the hospital with no home to go to we can um, we have a program for them as well so those um, that we have so many homeless folks who have so many medical issues that this program has really touched so many of them um, and this this has been a godsend for us this this program um, 
and our we have some very very special case managers um, mm -hmm. that work with our veterans and with with our homeless families um, in general um, they if we had more money to pay more case management we would have more case managers mm -hmm. and we would be able to allow these case managers that we have spend more time with each one of our clients there's that money resource yes again. there absolutely is. Yes. nate schluter mm -hmm. uh eden village is a community how do we keep the community intact and how do we keep these people being able to uh to live a productive life in our society yeah so um for us the heroes are our staff um that when somebody moves into eden village they're most likely going to live out the rest of their life in our community um, so um, it's certainly not a it's it's about having a place to call home and mm -hmm. what it looks like to be a good neighbor um, it, Eden Village partners with other organizations that do what they do best in this community to bring their services into our community center for our residents um, what are some of those specific services that, that, that people get while they're there? Yeah, the so we partner with uh, Jordan Valley. They bring in mobile medical clinics. Burl um, brings in case management. Uh, Adult Challenge uh, does biblical-based addiction recovery. NAMI uh, comes and does crisis mental health situations for us. Um, so a variety of different um, organizations in our community come in and put on events and do things for the residents. Um, we weren't trying to reinvent the wheel and do everything. Um, we were just trying to do permanent housing, but recognizing mm -hmm. that people that live there and are going to live out the rest of their lives have very real needs. Um, but Eden Village isn't a, uh, a fix in repair. Um, Oftentimes we think that um, somebody, we serve the chronically homeless, and so those are people that have had serious trauma, um, and um, sometimes some wounds don't heal the side of heaven. Um, and so some of our residents, it's mutual all the way around. McDonald's doesn't want to hire them. They don't want to work at McDonald's and I'll never eat at McDonald's again if they hire them. Um, but that doesn't mean that that person doesn't have value and that that person can't be a valid and active and a blessing to our community and a good neighbor. Um, so our focus is much more on community and being a good neighbor um, than am I going to get you a job and you're going to pull a 60-hour gig uh, like I do every week. Um, it's it's much more about living in a community. It's sad to hear Nate say that, Michelle, Malia. I know that you both had a reaction to that, but uh, but that's that's what we face, right? It mm -hmm. is, absolutely. Yeah. What? Uh, so how do we get past that? Well, I think the the um, the key message that I heard from Nate is that you start where the person is, and so uh, the case managers and being able to provide um, support to the individual um, to start where they are and help them through their journey, whatever their journey um, is. So it might not be to a 60-hour-a-week job, but it may be to uh, volunteering 40 hours or 20 hours or something, but, but really making sure that we're meeting people um, and not setting expectations of where they should be, rather letting them tell us where they want to be and helping them get there. This is live coverage on KWTO of our second town hall panel discussion on homelessness in Springfield and Greene County. It's been a great discussion. We have uh, less than 10 minutes left. I want to give each of you a chance to do some uh, some final thoughts. We'll probably do a 60-second around the horn to wrap things up. 
But uh, I just kind of want to, because we've spent a lot of time talking about challenges and resources and the things that we need to help put a dent in the, in the homeless population and to eliminate uh, homelessness in Springfield and Greene County, which all of you have that goal. Uh, but I also want to share some success stories, uh, just maybe something that you can think of, uh, whether it be a single person that you've helped or uh, a group of people or, or something your staff has done, uh, because I think we, we talk about the problem so much that sometimes there are pretty amazing stories in there that don't always get covered in the media and don't always get out there. So uh, we'll just kind of go around the table uh, really quickly. We don't want to spend a whole lot of time on them, but just share some successes. Malia, what's what's happening at the kitchen that you see that just makes you smile and grin from ear to ear? Gosh, there are so many, and thanks for making me go first. Yes, okay. no problem, no pressure. So to put it in a nutshell, I think um, there's so many stories behind the this number but it's a proud number 711 711 served meaning housed last year in 2023 um sister sister lorraine would be proud of that i number, think right? so she gonna make sure i get to go up and not down That's what I'm um 224 of those were children so we has a lot of families we has a lot of families sure. and um then we serve 619 youth over at rare breed connecting them to a lot of those resources that nate mentioned and others in our community so they can either get out of homelessness or stay housed and hopefully get out of the poverty cycle that they're in excellent michelle success stories well i always when i look at the work that we do together um, in community one person comes to mind um, and she was an individual that was living in parks um, she was not making great choices on how she made money to be able to feed herself um, she was not um, excited about engaging in um, in any of the services that were provided because she, the, uh, those services had let her down so many times um, so she did uh, she was not sober for much of her life um, but she came in every single day um, to see us and um, she actually uh, was an infant at uh, the kitchen at the Missouri Hotel um, so she had been you know experiencing this life for quite some time so uh, she definitely was an individual that um, made you put your guard up if you weren't um, if you weren't if you didn't know her um, she was a rough um, person and had faced a lot of trauma in her life um, but we loved her as a community not just us and um, fast forward um, she made the decision to become sober um, to engage in services she let her guard down because she began to trust again um, and uh, now she is a manager um, she's been fully employed making um, a lot of uh, you know funds with benefits she came in I signed for my benefits oh, that's she awesome. has her own house but but the thing is uh, you know now she's giving back um, and she is the chair of our lived experience council um, which is made up of individuals either experiencing or have experienced homelessness and um, that's a success um, and that's only one of all the gems that we've been able to connect with and get to know and get to love so 
Wow. That's full circle. That's escaping mm -hmm. the vicious cycle. Yes, because that that, awesome. she was the third generation experiencing homelessness. There you go. Yeah. Nate, success story. Yeah, I mean, a big number success story is between the Eden Villages and the Revive 66 campground. Um, we've provided over 30,000 uh, bed nights um, since the campground opened in 2021 and the first village opened in 2018. And those are nights that somebody that was on the streets was sleeping in a bed and getting a good night's rest, you know. But the everyday success stories mm -hmm. are residents at Eden Village. Um, every one of them is a success story. But what's special for me and our staff is when a resident starts to give back. Um, not money, but when they bring our staff lunch or buy them cookies on Valentine's Day. And it's those little things um, where they're speaking to us that we're friends, we have a relationship, and relationships and friendship are two-way streets. We've given to them, and now they're repaying that however they can. Um, but that happens on a daily basis now, people cooking lunch for the rest of the village in the kitchen. Wonderful. Um, people doing great things. Cindy, a uh, quick success story, then we're going to get some closing thoughts from each of you. We had a very similar success story like, like Michelle did. I think I just told Michelle and Adam about it the other day, mm -hmm. um, a client that we had in common. Um, it was an older mom. Um, she, mm -hmm. she had a mm -hmm. teenage daughter, um, kind of a they were in that cycle as well mom had been raised you know very on um in a poor situation um and mom she had substance abuse and mental health issues um it took a long long time we had her in our program for as long as we could um according to the, the budget that we had so and that was about a year and a half we couldn't keep her any longer but we kept her in for just case management wow. because she was right there she was ready to start her <laughs> substance abuse treatment, and we couldn't just let her go. Mm -hmm. um, so we kept her for several more months. Um, our supervisor that we had even kept her as a client so that we could keep her on. Mm -hmm. um, and it just it, it worked out, and I just saw them recently. She's been reunited with her daughter, who has a baby now, and mm -hmm. they are doing wonderfully. Amazing. We only have about a minute and a half. We're going to keep with you, Cindy. Let's have one last closing thought. What do we need to do to keep this discussion going? Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, just I think keep these conversations going and trying to engaging, engage more of our community. Um, mm -hmm. Let's build our partnership. Mm -hmm. Let's build, bring in those, you know, the, our, our big businesses and that, that might have some different ideas. If someone would like to help, how can they get a hold of Catholic Charities of Southern Missouri? They can call, um, we've got several different numbers, but if they call 417-268-9998, they can, they can get to one of our front offices. Very good. Thank so, you, Cindy. You're Nate welcome. Schluter, uh, your closing thought, and uh, how can people get in touch with, uh, with Eden Village? Yeah, the easiest way to get in touch with Eden Village is EdenVillageSpringfield.org or EdenVillageVolunteers at gmail.com. Um, kind of a closing thought is that um, homelessness is, is a community problem and it's going to take um, people from all different corners of our community coming together um, and reaching out to people to end it. 
Less than a minute left, Michelle Durand, Community Partnership with the OSS. So I'm going to echo uh, Cindy and Nate in engagement. So um, everyone can give uh, their time, talent, and treasure. I'll repeat that over and over. Um, just giving ideas, giving time, and of course donations to any of the um, of the um, agencies. Um, anyone can get involved with our agency at cpozarks.org. All right. Wrapping it up, Michelle, Malia. Thekitcheninc.org. Thekitcheninc.org. Look for ways to volunteer and more about the kitchen. And if you're looking for help, you can find out how to get help on there as well. <laughs> and just thank you. Thank you to, to KWTO. Thank you, Don. You bet. More opportunities like this so we can talk about the issue and ways to solve it in our community. And I challenge all of us to go say hi to someone that you wouldn't. Let's do it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you all for being here. Special thanks to our floor producer, Garrett Bowles, and our studio producer and chief engineer,